Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey everybody, welcome back to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And we're back. We're back. We're back better than ever. Or the same as ever. And um, (laughs) yeah, we're here to ruin a horror movie, which is what this podcast is. We ruin one for you every week. Um, So thank you for joining us. Yes. And thank you, presumably, for joining us for our live show. We're recording this before the live show, but releasing it after. If it went horribly wrong, we don't know yet. We live in a blissful limbo where we don't know that we absolutely shat the bed. I know. This is that, like, great moment of peace where we're like, everything went amazingly. There were no tech problems, and everybody had fun, which we're assuming did happen. But in the case that it didn't, right now we can live uh, in the ignorant bliss that is that it did. I just got a YouTube recommendation. Uh, I get, like, a lot of, like, psychological, psychiatry-related YouTube recommendations. Say we will. But one of them is for maladaptive daydreaming, which I actually do think I had as a child, where it's like you daydream so hard it, like, affects your living normal life. And that's what I feel about the live show. I'm like, I'm just going to daydream that it went great and live in that fantasy until being confronted with hard reality. Yes. I will say, before we get into anything else, I was telling um, our producer and editor before we all got going that last night I had a nightmare that I overslept for this recording. Um, And (laughs) I was, like, panicking. I was also, like, it was, like, wrapped up in, like, some other stuff that was going on. So I was also, like, not at home. So then I was, like, telling you guys I was having tech problems when, like, in reality I was, like, trying to get home from somewhere else because I, like, hadn't slept in my home. And it was... Very stressful. So I'm glad that we're here and recording. We did it. I'm glad that didn't happen. But also, that seems like something that could happen. It would be fine. We'd figure it out. We'll, we, we'll live. low-stakes nightmare, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I tend to have, like, super traumatizing, stressful dreams about things that, like, you know, all right. I mean, they might happen, but, like, you definitely could move on. <laughs> it's, like, not a problem. Yeah. I feel like my nightmares are either, like, yeah, like, I'm— late to taking a test in high school, or I have had a baby, and when I go to look in the crib, it's a giant lizard. Yes, It's either yes. totally normal or the mm. worst shit my brain could possibly yes, think of. Yes, yes. Horrifying murder chasing me through the woods, and I'm already missing an arm, and it's all terrible. Or, like, my cleaning lady canceled. Or, <laughs> like, something just, like, not even a real problem. I have to clean my own apartment. <laughs> that is a nightmare. Um, well, speaking of nightmares, we have asked you to please leave us a five-star uh, review. And in your review, review, write the spookiest thing you can think of. And if you write something spooky enough, we will read it on air. And yes. we have a wonderful one oh this week that Allison um, is going to read. This one they're is They're all just, incredible, but this one all, is fantastic. They're all so good, but the way that this one— <laughs> works is just I I can't even read the username because it's just kind of like it looks like a like a bot generated password that you choose not to have because you're like I'll never remember that or save it and I need to have like a real one (laughs) so I'm sorry it's just a you know a jumble of letters Um, but it was five-star review that's the title was I wish the review just says 
Love the show. I wish I had something like it when I was alive. Incredible. A plus work. It is the horror version of baby shoes for sale, never worn. Never worn. Yes. This is the six word economical story that tells you everything you need to know. I love it so much. So thank you for leaving that review. Um, And uh, please, everybody, rate us five stars and write your spookiest review and we'll read it on the podcast. Um, And also it'll help us uh, be able to do more things because we'll be more popular. So everybody wins. Um, I also wanted to address something that has been brought to attention mm-hmm. um, with regards to both The Conjuring and Urban Legend. And that is that I have some sort of dog blindness. So if there's a dog mm. in a horror movie, I like have a hard time keeping track of what uh, is all happening with it. In The Conjuring episode, I fully remember the fact that their dog uh, ends up dead very early in the movie. Mm. And I honestly think I mentally blocked it out because I was like, this is too early to have a dog die. And yeah. so I'm like, I can't okay. deal with this. And also, if your dog is ostensibly killed the first night you stay in the house, everything that happens after it is your fault. Like, you've you've had the red flag and you've ignored it. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and then in Urban Legend, uh, I was confused about the dog that is killed by being put in the microwave, a classic Urban Legend. Mm, but you do see a, a split second of the dog earlier at the frat party. And I guess that's enough to be like, well, you know, there's a dog there, and uh, that's the dog that's going to die. And it's like, all right. That's not but really. I, we didn't have time to get to know the dog. So, again, I, maybe I just didn't attach the dog as a character. Um, but I'd like to apologize to both of those dogs and to to you guys for my failure to track, um, again, unfortunately, the death of dogs. Yes. Um, I guess I just I'm like I don't want to I don't want to deal with it. It just it seems too sad, you know. I mean, at least a human, okay, they have a stand, fighting chance. A, right. a dog in a microwave, it doesn't have thumbs. It can't. No. I don't even know if it you can open a microwave door from the other side, even if no. I was a human. I hope to never find out. No. Well, yeah. Hopefully, no microwave exists exists big enough for be, us to be inside of it. So, either way, more more terrifying things. I if you're building one, please stop. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to ask you now to please stop your quest to build a gigantic uh, microwave, and instead spend some time with us as we do this week's movie, um, which was recommended by Justine and Ariel on Instagram. So thank you so much. And we are keeping with our witch theme. Yes. Um, and the movie is 2009's The House of the Devil, and it is directed by Ty West, written and directed. And I really love this movie because I think it's a great example of you don't have to have a lot to have a terrifying film. Like, you can yeah. have a low budget. You don't have to have a lot of special effects, a lot of goop, a lot of goop, a lot of gobbles, a lot of ghouls. No. You just have to have the gnawing dread that you know as a viewer that something terrible is going to happen. Ugh. Um, so, of course, every episode we have Allison watch the trailer. And what were what are your initial thoughts about the movie based on the House of the Devil trailer? I mean, very scary trailer. There was one thing that briefly took me out of it, which is that the old man looks just like Will Forte in I Think You Should Leave, the sketch where um, Tim Robinson's on the plane and the old man sits next to him and is like, uh, retaliating for years ago when Tim Robinson was a baby and was loud on a plane. So it was like... He really looks like him. It's just kind of like the same haircut. He's wearing a suit. Um, so that, that, for a moment, brought me out. And that actor is Tom Noonan, uh, perhaps best known uh, for his role as uh, in Manhunter. He was in RoboCop 2. Oh, okay. um, oh, he's in Schenectady, New York, and Anomalisa. Oh. 
which I, okay. I love both of those. Great. Um, 12 Monkeys. So, he, you know, he's been in a lot of things. And I agree, he has a very, somehow he's, like, extremely soothing, but also terrifying. Yeah. And he's great. And he really looks like that character from that sketch. So, um, aside from funny. that, everything really uh, was super, super scary. And I think, again, like, you're right, that, like, gnawing dread that we know something bad is going to happen when the main characters um, aren't there yet. Like, just having the the girl be like, it's fine. This is one night. Like, this is going to change my life. Like, I'm just like, don't say that. It's like, it's like being like, oh, it's going to be fine. Nothing's wrong. Like, you you are cursing yes. yourself for uh, only wrong to be happening. And, but of course, again, unfortunately, yeah. these, these poor ladies, they simply don't know they're in a horror movie. No. We do. Yeah. Let's take it, let's take a baseline scary. Allison, mm-hmm. how scary do you find the concept of babysitting? I have only babysat twice in my life. I am not um, a babysitter. I'm not a caretaker. Like, it's not, so it's like very scary. I remember I was like babysitting across the street from my house. My parents were home. This couple like went out for like an afternoon and we're like, just watch the baby. He's asleep. And he woke up and I just like called my mom. I was like, I don't know what to do. I need you to come over here. <laughs> like, I can't handle is, this. It's scary, even though like there's no reason for it to be. Like babies are pretty resilient. Yeah, I feel like my lingering fear about babysitting or, or child uh, care is, of course, uh, whenever I have to watch, you know, Dave, boyfriend of the pod's uh, son alone, which isn't very often. Even when Dave's in the other room, I am convinced I'm like, he's going to choke. Yes. He's going to choke on something. I'm going to have to do the Heimlich maneuver. I've never done I've right. learned it, but I've never actually done it in practice. Right. And certainly not in a child. So I'm like, and then you're going to be standing there holding the bag, you know. Right. Um, in, in that uh, horrible uh, circumstance. I did a ton of babysitting growing up. I think it was just like as a young woman, like that was, that was like the, the option job. For, yeah, how yeah. to make money. And um, I remember definitely, uh, oh, there's only one place where there were sort of these big picture windows that looked out into the woods. And they were the yeah. TV room was like, the TV was right next Mm-mm. to these windows. And I was low-key terrified. Yes. Sometimes. But then I did it enough that it was, it was fine. Like I never... Yeah. Fortunately, I never had anything spooky happen. Nothing mm-hmm. nothing weird ever yes. happened to me. But you have all, again, like the urban legends, like we said, all of these stories about the babysitter, about the the, the young mm-hmm. woman home alone, mm-hmm. that's who's going to get murdered. You know, yes. you're in a house you don't know. You can be murdered in your own home, let's be honest. And if you're going right. to be killed, you probably are um, in that right. kind of event. But, yeah, it is a, a fear that is instilled in you through pop culture from a very young age. Yes. So let us begin, but before we do, um, Allison, do you want to guess the twist? Guess the twist. I'm going to guess that there's something that lives in the house. Like it's part of the house, like the house itself is haunted. Something happened there, and that's why the devil lives there. And then, remember, it is witch month, so where where do you Mm. think the witch comes in? What role does the witch play? I think someone who lives in the house is a witch. I'm, pu- I'm going to push you a little further past that. A what's, woman? what's her big plan? What's she up to, we think? I mean, maybe she's trying to, like, steal the youth from these uh, girls. Great. Love it. Perfect. Sorry who for wouldn't? the siren. That feels like a perfect background for what we're doing. Um, <laughs> um, I did call 911 and have them send a witch to your house. I'm very oh, sorry. She will steal what's left witch. of your youth. Let's be honest. We're getting okay. up there. So let us begin. By ruining the house of the devil, which opens with... My favorite thing of any horror movie, of course, mm. which is text on the screen. Ugh. 
already scared. Which is going to add a, an, another fun la- layer to our film, which it says, during the 1980s, over 70% of American adults believed in the existence of abusive satanic cults. Another 30% rationalized the lack of evidence due to government cover-ups. The following is based on true unexplained events. Now, I just want to say, of course it's not, but it is like in that Texas Chainsaw Massacre way of like, yes. based on real events. Absolutely. I mean, yes, has yeah. somebody been killed or, or terrorized or has something bad happened once ever? Yes. Yes. But the actual events of this film have never occurred, and I can pretty much guarantee you this. And but I guess it's another baseline scary I want to take is like, how scared are you of like satanic panic? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like we've had a lot of stuff in the last couple of years about it, like looking yes. back on it. Yeah, like uh Gillian Flynn's novel Dark Places uh centers Ooh, I didn't on read that. that. Oh, it's okay. great. You should read it's it's good. Um, but it's all about kind of like that that panic around, you know, chill, like especially teens um worshiping Satan and stuff like that. So like it's it's interesting because, like, we were too young to, like, know that that was a thing when, in no the 80s. No idea. Like, had never we were, even we mentioned it, never heard about it until adulthood. Babies. Yeah, we were, like, little babies and children. So, like, we weren't, like, seeing that news. But it was, like, very real. Um, so I wonder, yes, yeah. like, what it would have been like if we were our age now when that trend was kind of taking off. Like, if we would have been, like, Aah. But I also don't believe in the devil. So I guess at the end of the day— There's nothing to be scared of. Well, I guess it's more like, are you afraid of people who are sensibly worshiping the devil? Like, I guess that's what we're supposed to be afraid of. I I did look up, I was started to listen to a Gimlet podcast called Conviction, American Panic, about Mm. satanic panic. And it's Mm -hmm. really good, but I have not finished it because it's actually, so this guy, John Quinley, he testified against his own father. And this is all real basically accusing him of being the leader of a satanic cult, and he'd been sort of coached to accuse his dad. His dad ends up going to jail, and then they don't reconnect until, like, two—this is, like, the 80s, you know, and until uh, 2014. Basically, John—he always knew it wasn't real, but, like, as a kid, you're like, I guess if people are telling me to say this. Anywho, the the dad gets out of jail, and now that you're trying to get him taken out the sex offenders registry— because he was never, like, his conviction wasn't overturned. He just served his time. And now his children, who had all been coached to say this, and right. I, again, I haven't even gotten that far to find out exactly why or what was happening. Um, the dad, they're like, we're trying to get our dad to move closer to us, but he can't because he's on the sex offender registry. Like, he can't leave the state, you know, like, all oh. this stuff. So we're trying to get his conviction overturned specifically so that he can have, like, a semi-normal life for, like, you know, whatever years he has remaining. And the reason I haven't finished it, it's so fucking sad. It's yeah, so sad to think about. Yeah, so dark. And, and to think that so many people were so convinced of this that they were, like, coaching children to say this. Because mm-hmm. that seems to be, like, cases, like, people genuinely believe this is happening or wanted to believe it was happening. And it's, I guess it's all, like, the QAnon, like, you buy, uh, like, a cabinet from Wayfair and there's a child inside. Like, it's the same yes. level of, like, do you actually think this is going on? Like, I guess it's sort of like if something bad has ever happened, ergo every conspiracy thing is, is real or something. I don't know. Right. Anywho, great podcast. If you finish it, let me know how it goes because it's just too goddamn sad for me to get through. But this, So that's another added layer to the film. Yes. This is in the midst of that. So we begin, we open on our main character, Samantha, who is a college sophomore, and she's staring at the window of the gorgeous little yellow one-bedroom apartment. And there, uh, she's talking to the woman who's renting the place and who's incredibly kind. And it's like, you know, you remind me of my daughter. She's around your age. I go a lot of my gut feelings. 
and I'm going to rent you this room. And Samantha is overjoyed. She's like, thank you so much. But it is the early 1980s. And she sees on the um, ad in the paper that she's holding that mm-hmm. she needs $300 as a deposit and then $300, um, you know, first month. And I did the calculation. And at least in 1980, um, every dollar essentially is, is worth like $3.33 now. So it's mm-hmm. like $300 would be, you know, I mean? like she needs so much more money than she has. She has nothing. Right. I'm not going to do math as soon as I started doing no, 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 it. No, 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 not our strong Never suit. wouldn't do it. Not on this nope. podcast. Scariest and thing ever. And she sort of like sheepishly asks out the deposit and the woman's like, you know what, for you, you don't, don't worry about the deposit just on Monday. Bring me, uh, bring me a check for the first month's rent. And Samantha's like, oh my God, are you serious? And again, the woman says, I trust my gut. And I think what she's supposed to set up is she's the person saying, you should trust your gut. Is she going to, Allison? You already know she's not not. because why else would we be here? (laughs) Samantha is over the moon and, you know, she hustles back to campus and she's worried because she obviously doesn't have the money. Like she does not have $300. Right. Um, It's also winter. She has like a winter coat. She has a hat Mm. and gloves. Like I love a winter horror movie. Of course. And we find out the reason that she wants to move so badly is her roommate, Heather, who is just having a fuck fest all the time. It's like 10 (laughs) a.m. She gets home and there's a sock on the doorknob, which is sort of, you know, fun old school thing I've never seen happen in real life. Nope, Heather is going to town and Samantha's back at the door. She's like, please, come on, it's morning. Like, can you just give it a rest? But since she can't get in her room, she walks to go look at sort of the cork board where people have written about, like, the astronomy club or somebody's lost cat. And she finds a flyer about a babysitting job. Mm. She calls her a payphone and leaves a voice message and her dorm room number. And as she walks away, the payphone starts ringing back. And she picks it up to answer the phone. And it is um, the man from the trailer, which we later find out his name is Mr. Ullman. And he says, oh, I'm just returning your call. And she says, how did you get this number? And I meant to look up. If somebody calls for a payphone in yeah. the early 1980s, could you just call back? But she seems surprised, so I'm going to just assume we're supposed to be surprised. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, sure. Because we she don't left phone her door number. Exactly. So already her first thing where she finds this on, he's like, hey, I'm excuse the urgency, but I'd really love to meet up with you I for this job. Um, let's meet at the student affairs office. And she says, oh, sure, right now. And then he hangs up. So she's like, I guess he's still on campus. Like, or I don't, or maybe he's just driving back now. I don't know. Maybe he lives nearby. So she goes back to her dorm to sort of like, you know, get her day finished so she can go wait for this guy and meet up with her, which is like, oh, right, we're pre-cell phones. So it's sort of like, I'm going to meet you somewhere. You just have to stand there until I show up. Yeah. And there's no other way to reach me while I'm in transit. I guess we did a lot more waiting around. I, you know, but we did have a phone to look at. So that's I know, that's. What really feels challenging about it? I guess people read books. I, I, you know, I wish I have not read a book in two years. But no. um, so Samantha makes her way back to her dorm. Heather has sort of wrapped things up with this guy, and Heather is also an insane slob. So there's like clothes and garbage and everything. And she and her, I don't even, not her boyfriend, the guy she's sleeping with, are yeah. passed out snoring. And so Samantha runs to hand in an assignment, and then she's going to wait outside the student affairs office. And listen to her Walkman to see if this guy shows up. She waits for hours, it seems like. And finally, she gives up. He's not coming. Hmm. In the distance, we keep hearing a car alarm go off over and over again. Oh, I did God. look it up, and there were car alarms in the early 80s. Okay. So I was like, is this an yes. anachronistic thing? Yeah. No, apparently they had car alarms. Disappointed, she meets for a slice of pizza with her friend Megan, played by Greta Gerwig. And oh, fun. You know, 
they're both like, oh my God, I'm so excited about your new place. It sounds so cool. It's awesome. The woman weighed the deposit, you know. But Samantha's like, I need $300 by Monday. It is Wednesday and I have $84. Yes. And Megan's like, it's okay. We're going to figure this out. We'll get you some like gigs, whatever. And worst comes worst, we can ask my dad. And Samantha's like, I don't want to ask your father for money. And Megan's like, my family's rich. You could do it. This is where the movie would have ended for me. Because I would have yeah. been like, yeah, I'll borrow. Yeah, that. That seems a Money lot from your easier. Dad. Like, yeah, that's never comfortable. And, like, of course, it has, like, all kinds yes. of other, like, things attached to it. But, like, that versus, like, I'll just find some jobs from total strangers and right. see if these pay me enough in the next six days. Like, that's not really... Right. There's yeah, higher risk like, there across the board. Right. And it's, like, in reality, if you're rich, you are probably more likely living in the house of the devil. But, unfortunately, for this film, mm-hmm. Samantha's yes. going to find herself in the house of the devil because she needs to make yes. that money right. uh, by Monday. And so Smith says, no, I have some sort of integrity or something crazy like that. I, I don't need to do that. And um, Greta says, like, I can't believe that guy. Greta. Megan says, I can't believe that guy stood you up. You know what you should do is go and tear down all the other flyers. So he has to call you back. No one else will call him. And Samantha, again, because she's like a nice person, she's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's crazy. But she is sort of starting to freak out. Like, will I actually be able to take this place? She goes back to um, her room, which, again, is an absolute dump. And Heather is still asleep. She's sleeping all day. And Samantha, at this point, is sort of realizing, like, I'm not going to get this money. Like, I, you know, like, I I can't do this. Like, it's too much money. It's the early 80s. So she goes into the bathroom. She turns on all the faucets to cover up the sound of her just crying in a stall, which does feel like a waste of Mm -hmm. water. But I appreciate where she's at. She's like, I had this fantasy that was going to pan out, and it's not going to. And she pulls herself together, and she looks in the mirror, and she tells herself, get a grip. (laughs) However, when she gets back to her room, Heather wakes up finally, and it's like, what time is it? And Samantha's like, um, it's night. (laughs) <laughs> and Heather tells her, oh, oh, some guy called you and I left his number on your desk. But Samantha's like, where the fuck is it? Like, she right. didn't leave it in an obvious place. She's pissed and she calls her back and we meet. We we get, she connects with Mr. Ullman again. And he's like, hey, I'm so sorry. I couldn't get a student affairs. I had all this stuff going on today. Um, if you're still willing, I really need someone tonight to babysit and I will pay you double the rate. So it'll be $100. So Samantha's like, yeah, I'll be there. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Ullman tells her, I'll make this as painless for you as possible, and gives her the address. Mm. Um, so it's already nighttime. I mean, it's winter, so it could just be 5 p.m. But like, right, it's, but it's not like the middle of the day. Dark is dark. It is dark as hell. And Samantha does not have her own car. So Megan, because she's rich, agrees to give her a lift. And as they're driving, Megan is like, this seems like a little weird. Like, it's like, we're driving to the middle of nowhere. Like, I had to check yeah. a map. Like, this is not nearby. Mm. And then, like, right. I'll come and get you. But, like, you're kind of going to be, like, alone for hours. Like, it's it's making me feel weird. But Samantha's like, again, I'm making $100. This is 1980. You don't, you know, like, you are born yeah. rich. I need to earn this money. Yes. While they're in the air, well, in the airplane, while they're in the airplane of the ground, their car, um, they hear on the radio that tonight is the night of the big eclipse. There's a lot of eclipses in horror movies, and tonight is the night of the biggest one. No. So it starts at 1030, and for about two hours, the uh, moon will be totally eclipsed, and there'll be like a moment where you, at midnight, where you could sort of see the moon disappear into the Earth's shadow. And Megan's like, I'm sick of hearing about that stupid eclipse, which again is something that no one has ever said. But it's very nope. funny. Like she's mad about the eclipse. She's like, oh, like, eclipse, eclipse, eclipse. Enough already. Like, it's, it's not like the moon is going to explode. Though that would be pretty cool. 
cool, Megan. I guess yeah, some of the moon sure. exploded. Wouldn't we all die? Probably. She's not an astronomy club. We know that. No. Well, that's clear. And But she is a good friend, and she said, you know, I feel weird about dropping you off. What if I just hang out? You keep all the money, and I'll just hang out with you. Again, a great offer. Something yes. that if I wasn't going to take money from Megan's dad, I would absolutely say, yeah, let's do that. You right. hang out with me. I'll keep the right. money. What were you going to do anyways? You're just going to hang out and eat more disgusting pizza. Again, no phone to fuck around on, so. Exactly. Have a partner. Just going to hope they have a TV. Um, right. And then Megan oh also reveals, like, I know you're going to be mad at me, but I did take down all the other flyers that were, were up. And it's like, you're a good friend, but you're really going to regret getting Samantha this gig. Yes. And so it's like, I can't believe you did that. But they have, like, a fun moment, like, well, okay, that was actually very nice of you. Yeah. She's just trying and, to help. Yeah, but Megan's like, I'm just afraid, like, what if you show me these people are freaks and that you're stranded out there? And so it's like, well, they have a huge house in the country. Like, they're obviously normal enough to have, like, jobs, and they're kind of loaded. And Megan says, do you think having lots of money makes someone normal? Which is a great mm, question. A That's great something to question. really ponder. They arrive at a gigantic, beautiful Victorian house. And there's a red Volvo in the driveway, which Megan, Megan comments, oh, that's the safest car on the road. And the door opens, and we meet an older, well-dressed man named Vincent Ullman and says, such beautiful girls. That's mm. what you get in Mm-mm. the car, and you Mm-mm. drive away. We're not, we're not going inside. We're not crossing a threshold. We are running back to the car and <laughs> getting the hell out of there. beautiful girls. Get no. in the car. I'm sorry you have to live with Heather. It's not the end of the world. You yeah. Know? And he takes him aside, gorgeous house, and he tells him, it tells um, uh, Samantha, you're a doll for doing this. And he, he also says, we'll be glad to get this night behind us. We're new in town and haven't had a moment to spare. What with the eclipse and all? My I mean, question is, what are you talking about? Right. No one's ever like, I've got the eclipse on my calendar. It's a whole day, and we really got to, we have so much to do. Like, th- no. And if you, if you do, what were you doing? What is that? What was right. all the stuff what? is? Yeah. And Megan, at least, is, like, trying to pump it for information. Like, oh, so are you you're a teacher? Like, I was how you were on campus? And he goes, not exactly. Oh, and then she, she he's talking about the eclipse. It's like, you know, you two live in the most perfect place to see the eclipse. And Megan said, oh, so are you an astronomer? And Mr. Ullman says, not exactly. And then it's finally, like, he stands up and he says, Samantha, guy. can I have a word with you in the other room? So he's dividing them up. I don't like that. He takes her in the other room. He says, I'm sorry, I can only pay one person. And I really am only comfortable with one of you staying. And I'm sorry if I'm being rude. It's My wife is very on edge about this whole situation. And Samantha's like, no, I understand. Megan's just dropping me off. Don't worry about it. I and don't Mr. understand. <laughs> I don't. Well, Mr. Ullman says, I'm afraid you don't understand. Please sit down. Meanwhile, Megan is in the living room eating candy out of the candy bowl. And it's like they're loose candies that are unwrapped no, in a girl. stranger's house. And then she takes two more with her. It's like, okay, you're like, if you're suspicious of these people already, why are you just eating loose Don't eat candy, their candy from their house? Don't eat their weird candy. And it's like a hard candy that she bites into, which is also like, that's not uh, how you eat a hard candy. Like, it's so these young weird. people and the way they treat their teeth. <laughs> so finally, while Mr. Ullman has Samantha alone, he tells her, You have to forgive me, Samantha, because I've not been completely honest. Um, you see, we, we actually don't have a child. We have a child, but he's grown. It's this job tonight is not for our child, but for my wife's mother. So it's it's just you're gonna mm. stay here. It's it's an elder care situation, and Samantha's like, 
I appreciate this, but, like, I have no experience caring for adults. I don't feel comfortable. Like, yeah. and Mr. Ullman sort of jumps out of his seat to stop her, and she's startled. He goes, no, I'm I'm sorry. It's just that people don't want to do this. Like, you know, young people don't want to do elder care. I, I got one girl who responded, but when she learned the truth, she backed out. I'm really desperate. And, you know, you hear all these horror stories on the news, and I think it— discourages young women from taking these sort of opportunities. And Samantha yeah. says, well, there are a lot of weirdos out there and yes. perhaps in here. And again, Samantha says, I appreciate your situation, but like, I do not feel comfortable with this. Mr. Ullman says, she doesn't have any medical needs. You wouldn't have to like actually do anything. It's just in case of an emergency. And Samantha is still trying to like beg out of it. And Mr. Ullman says, what if I gave you $200 more? Oh so that God. is $300. And Samantha says... Make it 400. So she is making four, which is still pretty good in today's money. Yeah. But if it's, let me see, let me do a little math here. So we have $400. Times, it's probably like 1500 or something. Yeah. $1,332 for four hours of work is what we're finding out. I mean, so of course, pretty good Smith rate. is like, absolutely, I will be taking this. Yes. Like, this is incredible. It's my, it's first month's rent and more. Yes. Um, Megan cut to Megan running out of the house. Being like, what is? What are you talking about? That's an even bigger red flag. He's it, giving I mean, she's four hundred dollars right. to do nothing for us. A hundred dollars per hour. This is night the early nineteen eighties. What yeah. are you doing? And Samantha's like, no, I need this. This is gonna like really change everything for me. I'm gonna be able to move out. Like, and you're gonna come get me at, at twelve thirty a.m. You know, like it's gonna be fine. You'll come pick me up. I'm gonna we'll be see. totally safe. And Megan, who is still mad, agrees, and she drives back to campus. Allison, at this point in the film, I ask you, what would you do? What would you do? I am getting back in the car. I am asking Megan to call her dad so I can borrow money and we are going to figure this out. And then I'm going to get a real job that doesn't involve somebody like throwing cash at me for a vague, like nothing job on an eclipse night where he won't disclose what his job is. Like, no, like, Get back in the car with right. your friend. Like, this is not it. It's not this. I, There's other solutions. I understand the desperation of not having any money, but, like, this isn't it. Yeah, I feel like it's the kind of thing when you're a young woman, like, you see, occasionally see those, like, uh, Craigslist ads where it's, like, pay Z- $0 rent and um, be my yep. female roommate. Yes. And we don't have to do anything sexual, just some light cleaning. It's, like, you're that guy thinks you're going to no. have sex with him. Like, yeah. you know, or, like— He's, yeah. There's no way you're like, I'll get, take free photographs of you. That guy is going to try to have sex with yeah. you. Yep. This is a situation where it's like, best case scenario, this old man's going to try to have sex with you. I like, mean, absolute best, absolute best case scenario. And that's already And that's already horrible. terrible. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time 
only on Netflix. But Megan has agreed, even though she objects and thinks the whole situation is really sketchy. She uh, drives back to campus. Samantha goes inside. As Megan's driving home, she sort of drives uh, off the road to the cemetery, which is like on, basically on the same block as the house. And she stops oh, to— nothing um, to worry about there. She, she basically pulls it like right out of the driveway, and she stops to light her cigarette, and she presses the little cigarette warmer, still kind of pissed at Samantha, and cracks a window and sort of waits for the cigarette warmer to heat up. And suddenly a lighter appears in the window— like being held back, and she screams and she turns, and a guy is just standing there. No, it's the night, they're in a cemetery. No, and she's like, You almost gave me a heart attack. Like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, Oh, sorry, I, I saw you needed a light, and I thought I'd be helpful. Sue me for being helpful. It's I'm like, I would like slam to. in that car. I, yeah, consider yourself sued, bitch. Yeah, I will you're see sued, you in sir. court. Yes, if, if I if it's a cemetery in the middle of the night and you jam your hand into my car window out of nowhere. No. You're going to praise it as far as I'm concerned. You're yeah. losing money at the very least. I'm shutting the window on your arm and driving away to see if it rips off. You are absolutely not allowed to do that. <laughs> right. I hope you enjoyed having that arm for as long as you did because it's gone, those bro. days are done. Yes. And he's like, oh, and he hands her lighter. He's like, sorry, it's safer. You take the lighter and you light it yourself. So she lights a cigarette. And because she's so startled, she doesn't immediately ask the pertinent questions. And so for it takes her a second to be like, what are you, were you just walking by? And he's like, yeah, right. I was just walking by. And Walking she's by. like, what the fuck are you doing? And he looks at her and he says, wait, are you not the babysitter? And in 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 any other moment, she would have been like, how do you know about the babysitter? But in right. the moment she said, no, I'm not the babysitter. My friend, the guy takes out a gun, shoots Megan in the head. <gasps> what? You see her skull explode and splatter against the windshield. Holy Allison, shit. Allison, Samantha no longer has a ride home. She, she's going to have to call a cab because Megan oh, is not coming God. back in four oh, why do I, She's not even going to get to the cab calling part, is my guess. But uh, I, You've guessed correctly. I, so, like, oh, boy, I don't like that at all. And I, I, I really enjoy this because I, I feel like um, it's hard to pull off, like, the audience knowing something that the main character doesn't for so yes. long. But mm-hmm. I found this movie almost, like, painfully, like, it's like you're just filled with dread because now we have this information and you're just right, watching. Right, she has— no you know idea. that she should just put her coat on and run into the woods. Like, that's the best yes. case scenario. Like, even if it's like there's no one else around, just put as much ground between you and this house as you can. Yes. Because something fucked up is already in motion. Already, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. But back at back at the house, Samantha's like, you know, she's sort of snooping around, exploring things. Um, and uh, while the almonds are still getting ready— She's sort of, like, trying to check out. It's an insanely huge house. Like, yeah. millions of sitting rooms and dining rooms. Um, and Mr. Olm said, I'm just going to go get my wife, and then we'll get out of here. He gives her half her pay plus pizza money. And he said, there's a number for the pizza place on the fridge. He says it twice. He's really excited for her to get this pizza. And he tells her again, like, mom is able-bodied, and and she probably you probably won't even see her. She's kind of, a, like, a private person. So unless you hear her fall or she calls for you— don't worry about it. Just stay here. So, we'll is, eat pizza. so she hasn't met the mother. The no. mother is in a room that she hasn't been to. And he's like, you probably yes. won't even see her. Like, you're just supposed exactly. to be around. And, oh, God. I don't like that. I'd like to be like, I need to see who I'm in sp- supposed to be taking care of. Crack open the door. Let me shake this woman's hand. Or if she's asleep, just let me peep in on her. And be like, yeah. also, what room is she in? This place has 100 rooms. Yeah, I would What's need a, a map. I, I will say, I feel like I took a babysitting job one time where I showed up and they're like, well, the baby's already asleep. And I don't think I ever saw the baby. Like, I eventually did go check on the baby just to make sure the baby's, like, breathing. Right. But 
in retrospect, I should have been like, let me see that baby because yeah, let's get I was a, like, yeah, let's get okay, eyes I trust on the baby. you. Yeah. Let's Luckily, get there was the a baby. The baby was alive. Very Great. exciting stuff. Thank God. Um, and he said, I'm going to go get my wife and we'll we'll get out of your hair and you can just get comfortable and watch TV. Okay. She hears him, goes upstairs, and he's talking to what she presumes is his wife. And we hear him say, please stop worrying. She's perfect. After tonight, everything will be complete. Suddenly, we see Mrs. Ullman walk in from the kitchen and say, oh, are you here for mother? And Stanley's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought your husband was up. Never mind. It, it, forget about it. We, we, however, have heard mm. the husband talking to somebody. And if it's not the mom, is it the mother? Who is he talking to up Who there? Who is he talking to? And Mrs. Ullman says, oh, I was in the basement getting my furs. Um, I can't handle how cold it is here. I work for the des- from the desert. And Smith is like, oh, I'm from downstate, but I'm the same way. It's freezing here. And Mrs. Ullman immediately is like, I bet the boys like you. I remember when I was your age. Your mother must worry about you. And then she, like, touches Samantha's hair, and Mm-mm. Samantha cringes away from her because it's so forward and, like, possessive almost. Again, huge red flags. Huge red flag. I'd be flag like, after I don't— flag. I don't need this. So finally, Mr. Ullman comes down, says, okay, great. Everything's working out perfectly. We'll be back pretty soon. Uh, Barely enough time to see a movie, but don't worry about that. Um, And they eventually leave. And as they leave, Mr. Ullman tells Samantha again, don't forget pizza numbers on the fridge. It's like, okay, dude. Like, Like, what if she already ate? It's pretty late. Right. Um, And they drive away in the red Volvo, and Samantha immediately calls Megan, only to get her answering machine. She calls again, no Megan. Enough time has passed where Megan should be back at campus. Right. Like, at this point. But Samantha's like, are you mad at me? Like, is that why you're not picking up? Like, please pick up. Like, I am kind of freaked out. Like, just be home and call me, right? Mm -hmm. And then most of the movie is just Samantha, like, in this house, kind of start slowly starting to snoop around. We see her um, fill up her water bottle from the sink, she finally calls the pizza place, which picks up immediately, and she orders a medium pepperoni for $8. That's a deal and a half. I mean, yeah. And when she says thank you, the man on the phone says, no, thank you. Which, hey, again, if no. a pizza place, if they didn't just immediately hang up on me, I'd be like, okay, the devil, this is the devil's pizza place. Yeah, like, yeah, between the insistence on calling and then, like, that exchange, I'd be like, well, now I need to leave because they know where I live yeah. or where, where I am. And I don't need whoever's running this pizza place to be involved in the other nonsense that's going on. Exactly. I already have a lot to deal with. Yes. So we sort of see her. She just walks through, like, turning on lights, and she finds, like, a billiard room. She plays chopsticks on a harpsichord. And she hears a noise upstairs, but then it stops. So she kind of is like, maybe it's just the mom shuffling around and going to the bathroom. She She goes into, like, the office. She puts on a pair of, like, thick round eyeglasses. And then she ends up in a room which looks to be a little boy's room. And... I was like, is that supposed to be like their adult son's room? But it does not look like an adult's room. It, like, and they, we right. know they didn't grow up there. Like, they, if, if it was yeah, just like, they just oh, moved they're in. Exactly. So it's not like, oh, this is his teenage room and they just never changed it. They just got there and there is like a cowboy mule, mural on the wall. There's a fish in a fishbowl. There are like sports trophies, things that an adult man would not have in this house. Right. But again, we see this, we clock this. Samantha, She's too pure for this world. Yeah. She uh, checks out the bathroom. Not listening to her gut enough. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, exactly. It's going to be too late when she realizes that what's going on. She checks out the bathroom. She goes to the sunroom. She starts to do some homework. She hears some faint little clunking sounds outside. But when she Mm -hmm. looks outside, we don't see anything. 
She puts on the TV again, and it's more news about the eclipse. The best time to see this fascinating event will be just about the stroke of midnight. That's when you'll be able to see the moon itself actually disappear into the Earth's shadow. And she says, fuck it, and shuts the TV off. And then she's like, well, if really I don't have to do anything, she puts on her headphones, she puts on the fixes, um... I can't remember. One thing leads to another. And she just oh, starts dancing around the house. She's, like, playing pool. She is shutting off the sound to her uh, ears, which I would not do in this situation. No, I would be as aware as humanly possible of everything happening in that house. I would not be shutting senses off. Exactly. And she's just sort of exploring. She's, like, ta- tossing an apple back and forth to herself. Like, she opens the basement door and peers down, but thankfully does not go down. Oh, and eventually she goes up the stairs to the second floor just to start check things out. While she's dancing up the stairs, she bumps into, like, a side table and knocks over a vase. And she's like, fuck, I fucked this up. I'm going to have to pay this guy back. And she runs downstairs. She gets a dustpan and a broom. And she's like, you idiot. And she's looking around for a garbage bag, and she opens up a door to a closet on the second floor. And she finds all of Mrs. Ullman's furs. She's like, well, that's strange. Because she specifically said they were in the basement. So whose coats are these? And she's looking around. She thinks she finds a garbage bag, but it's actually filled with family photos. And there's a photo of a family with a small son, like a tween, in okay. front, standing in front of the house, standing in front of the same Volvo. Allison, that family is not the Ullmans. It is a completely different family. Oh, and these photos no. of them have just sort of been hastily shoved in a garbage bag. Again. Huge. Samantha. I'm, I'm getting out of there. I'm... I've got half the pay. I'm running yes. away. I'm r- sprinting away from the house. Samantha goes aside to take a look at the front of the house to sort of compare it to the photo, only to see a second different car, like a van parked a distance from the house, like on the grass. Mm-hmm. So there is a vehicle there. She's like, okay, well, maybe they bought the house. Maybe they bought the car with from the family. She's trying to, you know, whatever. She obviously rationalizes herself in some regard. Um. When she goes inside, we see a man's feet walking towards the house, and we see him drop a cigarette. We know, Allison, it's the cigarette guy from the cemetery who murdered Megan. Yes. Samantha does not have this information. Of course. However, she's not a fucking idiot. So she goes inside. She takes, like, a huge knife out of the butcher block. And now she's just holding it. She calls Megan again. She's freaked out. She only gets her voicemail. She, you know, she sort of starts to panic. She goes to the bathroom. She looks in the mirror and tells herself, get a grip. And she sort of makes like a toilet paper, toilet cover. As soon as she starts peeing, Allison, she hears a loud thud. And then another. And isn't that always the way? As soon as you get comfortable. Yeah. She realizes it's coming from the second floor. And she calls like, oh, hello, Mrs. Ullman. But then she's like, wait, her last name wouldn't be Ullman because it's the mom's wife. She's like, are you okay? Here's nothing. So she's like, well, fuck, I have to go check on this woman. If she fell out of bed, then I have to deal with that. She slowly makes her way up the stairs. And when she gets to the top, the sound stops. And she goes up to what, where it sounded like the sound was coming from. And she said, is everything all right in there? And she hears nothing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Allison, we see what's on the opposite side of the door. Oh, no. And what do we see? A giant pentagram drawn or burned into the carpet. No. Which is bl- nope. soaked in blood. Of and course. in the middle of the pentagram is the body of the little boy from the photo. His torso has been cut from stem to stern, and his oh. eyes have been gouged out. Why? He's in the middle of the pentagram, and at the bottom of the pentagram are the bodies of his mother and father, also brutally murdered. But that, are we to think that the thuds were them getting murdered just now? 
or they've so. been there the whole time and the thuds is something else. Yes, I believe we're to think okay. they've been there at least all today. I think we're to think, well, Mr. Ullman's like, we had a lot of stuff to get done today. Yes, so that was probably all their erranding. Now, Allison, we don't have a ton of characters, but if you had to guess who was going to survive, who would you guess? Who will survive? We've got Samantha, we've got Mr. and Mrs. Right. Ullman. We have ostensibly the mother, and sure. of course, the guy who murdered Megan. I think the guy who murdered Megan will die. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, I want to say the mother. To, I want Megan to live. I don't think she's going to. Okay. Um, you think Megan? I, think, I mean, I mean Samantha. I'm sorry. Megan's yes. already dead. Um, yeah, I was like, I you do mm, you see the front of her skull explode? No. Otherwise, I listen. I could say, okay, you'd be shot and survive. This is not that kind of shooting. Right. I think. Unfortunately, Samantha is going to die. I think maybe the Ullmans live and, like, move on move on and do this again or something. Great. Excellent guessing. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Samantha obviously doesn't know that this family is dead, and she doesn't even crack the door. And that's something I'm like, if you hear a sound, I think you are in your right as the babysitter or yes. elder care provider to crack open the door and take a peek Absolutely. inside. It's not, it's not crossing any boundaries. Like, you've been tasked with taking care of someone in this house. You're allowed to look in on them. So she's creeping down the hallway, and she hears another thump, and it's coming from behind a door. She opens the door, and it's a door up to the attic. Oh, God, an attic? And she starts to make her way to the top. Luckily, the doorbell rings. It's the pizza guy. She runs downstairs. She grabs like $20 and throws it at him. Like, Obazor throws it at him. She grabs the pizza and closes the door. Unfortunately, she does not know this, but we know it is the guy who killed Megan dropping off the pizza. So the pizza is part of it. Interesting. And he sort of slowly walks away from the house and smokes a cigarette and then basically just stops on the front lawn looking at the house, staring at the second story. It's like, where is he involved? the pizza, though? I, I guess they gave her his number and he had a couple pizzas. That's the thing. It's like, she, she asked for pepperoni. It's like, well, did right, you have what? a cheese one on hand? Right. You don't know what she was going to order and you can't show up with the wrong one because it'll definitely set off some red, I mean, I guess not, but like some red flags of like, this isn't what I ordered. I guess like, it, it's like, again, it's 1980. Maybe it was like, we have cheese, we have pepperoni, we have veggie yeah. and that's it. Like we don't have it. a lot yeah. of options and you can't customize them. Right. I guess I could see that. Like, it's not like now yeah. where you can get your heart's desire on a pizza. Yes. And if not, you can go to a million other places. Right. 
Um, either way, she does have pepperoni pizza, which does make things slightly better, but she's obviously yeah. panicked. She calls Megan again. But now the line is either down or I, I think like Samantha calls Megan again, but it can't connect. And I'm unclear as to whether like the number isn't working or right. the line, or the like there's something wrong with yeah. the line. So in a panic, Samantha starts to call 911 or whatever the 1980 equivalent is, but hangs up. And the number calls back, and it's, oh, hi, this is Gloria from Emergency Services. Did you call here? And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry. It was an accident. And Gloria says, are you having an emergency? And Megan has this moment of like, am I? And unfortunately, yes. Allison, she says no and says, sorry about that. That was a mistake. And hangs up. She should have said, like, I'm at this address. I'm alone, I'm caring for somebody, and things feel a little bit off. That's why I called in the first place. Just to get, like, that on record. Yeah, you have, like, somebody, you called somebody, lie. Be like somebody's trying to break in. Like, say whatever you need to say to have somebody come out there. Get, like, a police officer out there just to, like, have another person that's not part. Right, well, she doesn't even know that yet. Well, but she hasn't been able to get in touch with Megan. So if right. I'm Samantha, at this point, I'm like, okay, make, something's happened with Megan. Megan, maybe she's in a car accident, or maybe she's mad at me. She's not picking up. I may not be able to get out of here at 1230. And so then now it's going to be 1230 soon, and also I don't have a ride. Right. Samantha cuts her, the pizza with her knife, and the pizza looks extremely gnarly. It looks horrible. Um, but she's freaking out, and she turns on every light on the first floor and then sort of sits on the sofa and turns on the late-night horror movie, which does not calm her down. Girl. And she starts eating a piece of pizza, and it has obviously such a vile taste that she immediately spits it into the sink. There is something in the pizza. They've ruined even pizza. Like, you're just like, can I at least enjoy a piece of pizza before I'm definitely getting murdered here? Like Exactly. Have the decency. Yeah. When she runs the pipes to sort of rinse out her mouth with water, she can hear the water in the pipes from another bathroom. So she's thinking, okay, the mother must be up or somebody is in the house using the upstairs bathroom. So she creeps her way back up there and there's nobody in the bathroom, but she hears a dripping from the bathtub faucet. She looks inside the bathtub and it is full of hanks of long, dark hair Mm -mm. cut off and thrown into the tub. Which, of course, Mm-mm. means it's time to explore the attic. Couldn't be me, Allison. Nope. Could not be me. I don't go in basements. I don't go in attics. I just single-level homes, please. <laughs> exactly. I'm standing next to the door the entire time with my yes. coat on. Yes. And yes. I'm probably and having another slice of pizza because that's how I would die. Yes. She opens the attic door and she climbs another flight of stairs. And at the top, another attic door. Too many doors in this house. Honestly, like, too many stairs. <laughs> She pulls the, like, you know, like, the drawstring for the bare light bulb in the um, hallway. Mm -mm. And the bulb flashes and burns out. And suddenly the power to the entire house goes out. And in the silence Mm -mm. and the darkness, she can see feet walking under the attic door. Somebody is in the attic. Oh, like, yes. Okay. Yeah, like, just, like, a little glimpse of movement. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Samantha's like, okay, well, this is fucked up now. Yes. The door pops open and nope. then a hand kind of spiders out around the door. And Samantha, feeling faint, I think we're supposed to believe from potentially the pizza being poisoned, but also just, this is a lot to deal Terror. with. Terror, yeah. She starts to pass out, and she staggers on the steps and then collapses in the upstairs hallway and is unconscious. Unfortunately, Allison, when she wakes up, she sees nope. sort of a blood-red moon blinking and then a red candle flickering in and out Ugh. of her, you know, awareness. 
She wakes up to find herself no. gagged and tied down on a gigantic pentagram surrounded nope. by candles. Mm-mm. She's wearing an old timey nightgown and he's like her arms and legs are Where like sort of tied apart. Oh, God. They, they, they brought it with her from the desert, I guess we're supposed to think. Suddenly, Mrs. and Mr. Ullman appear in robes, along with the pizza guy slash Megan's murderer, who, I, who we're to believe is their adult son. And yes. finally, we get our first look at Mother, who is a witch, and of has course. a sort of weird, white, swollen, like, yeah. inhuman face. It looks like a, a mask of a face. It's awful. And, of course, she bends over Samantha, who is screaming, but she's gagged, and mm-hmm. pulls up her nightgown. And then starts to draw a pentagram on Samantha's abdomen. We know where this is going. We've mm. seen these movies before. Oh, yes. Samantha is a young, ostensibly fertile woman. They've right. got designs on her. Yes. Aww. She then places the bottom of a ram skull, skull, which has sort of been made into a bowl, on Samantha's pelvis. And Mother slits her own wrist. No, come on. Dumping <laughs> blood into the top of the skull and collecting <sighs> Before marking Samantha's forehead with blood and finally lifting the skull bowl and dumping her own blood into Samantha's screaming mouth. However, oh my God. Oh my while God. Samantha might be I'd naive, rather eat the pizza. Exactly. I didn't have to, I didn't get pizza to eat, but I have to eat this. Yeah. Samantha might be naive. <laughs> she might be an optimist. She might be, she doesn't know the ways of the world. However, she's not going out that easy. She's able to get one of her hands loose. And that's another thing about if you're a, a part of a satanic cult, you cannot leave ceremonial knives just lying around. No. She's able to get her hands on a knife, and she stabs Mother, who screams this, like, horrible animal scream. Oh, and she's able to get her other limbs loose in, like, the moment of chaos as they all sort of, like, run to Mother. And she gra- takes the knife and stabs it into Mr. Ullman's stomach. And then gouges the son's eye before running upstairs. Unfortunately, when she gets to the kitchen, she immediately slips and falls on all the blood pouring out of Megan's body. So now she realizes Megan is dead. They've dragged Megan's body into the kitchen. But she is able to grab the pizza knife. And she's able to get upstairs because she cannot get to the front door. They're blocking her. So she's running up the stairs. Again, it's a mistake, but sometimes that's the only place you could run. The son finds her and shoots Samantha, but just to wound her, not to kill her. Obviously, they need to keep her alive for their yes. nefarious plan, the night of the eclipse, you know, her using her as a vessel of some sort. And that was the mistake that he made was trying to hunt her down because she takes a pizza knife and she fucking stabs him in the neck. And Holy he chokes shit. on his okay. own blood before just dying in front of her. So, so Samantha is kind of wiling out on these people. Like, they did not prepare or expect that she'd be able to fight back like this. And the Mrs. Oldman kind of feels like, seems offended. Like, oh, my God, you stabbed my son. It's like, what did you think anyone in this situation would have done? Like, you cannot be mad if a member of your satanic cult gets murdered. You're a satanic cult. You just have to be like, this is what's happening. Right? Right. Anyways. It all seems like it's a little too late because as Samantha is running upstairs, she sees, like, flashes of Mother's face. Mother's Uh, eyes are bleeding, blood. She's laughing. uh, Blood is gushing out of her her face. And she looks down, and she has all these dark veins emerging on her abdomen. Whatever spell they were doing when she was unconscious, when she was forced to drink the blood, unfortunately, seems to be taking effect. No. Um, she, Mrs. Ullman finds her and tells her, like, it's happening, and it's going to work in spite of you, you little bitch. And at this point, Samantha's, like, covered in blood, sobbing, like, curled up, 
like, oh horrified, God. still has the pizza knife. And Mrs. Ullman makes her one mistake. She looks up at the eclipse and she says, talk to me, Lord. Talk to me. Mm-mm. And that distracts her enough that she does not see Samantha get up off the floor and just fucking stab Mrs. Ullman in the back, killing her. So that's Whew. two down, two to go. And Mr. Allman, we've seen earlier, has a limp. So Samantha has a really good chance of getting the fuck out of here now. Yes. And she's able to grab the son's gun. So she is in a bad state mentally, but she is physically doing better than anyone else in the family. And now she has a gun. We don't know how many bullets in there. She is able to get out of the house. She, but unfortunately, she's vomiting. She's seeing yeah. Mother's face. She's hearing these voices in her mind. Oh, Mr. Ullman chases her into the cemetery. But he was has that knife stabbed into something and has to pull it out. So he's bleeding out as he's running yes. after her. And Mr. Ullman calls to her and says, Samantha, wait. Why would she do that? Why would she wait for you? Think about right. it for two fucking seconds. She's going to wait in the cemetery for she's you like, to catch oh, up what? with her? What'd you have to say? Sorry. What are you talking about? No. She's running and she's sprinting and vomiting. She's screaming. Like physically, she is falling apart. Finally, she collapses and Mr. Ullman is finds her and he tells her, He's given the sign. He's chosen you. It's your destiny to accept him. No! And she points the gun at Mr. Ullman and he gets down on his knees and says, Kill me if you want. I am just his messenger. And we're just moments away. And he points up at the eclipse. And then Samantha does the most baller fucking move. She pulls an Allison special. She puts the gun to her (gasps) head. She fucking shoots herself in the head. I mean. Because Samantha is smart. Again, she's a sophomore in college. She knows that they put the devil's baby into her or, or some kind of evil entity in her. So the only way to subvert what's going to happen is the old Allison special. Yeah, the Allison special. And also like, even if that's, like, unclear, like, what she has just gone through is not something that you can work through in therapy and move on from. Like, this is the most traumatizing thing I could possibly imagine. Like, I'd be like, there's no there's no life after this. There's no there's no coming back. My life is over. And I feel like we do have, like, I think you have Splice and, like, The Omen. Like, we do have these, like, moments where, like, you are pregnant with something that feels unnatural or is mm-hmm. unnatural. Mm-hmm. And there, I feel like in the movies, there's an instinct to be like, well, I'll, pal- I'll carry it to term and we'll deal with that See little kid later. Right. And Samantha said, not on my watch. Nope, I am not giving birth to the devil. On the news the next day, we find out that the eclipse left the Earth's shadow faster than theoretically possible. And scientists are like baffled about what happened. Unfortunately, we realized we were watching the news in the hospital. And we realize that Samantha is alive, but unconscious, and in a hospital bed surrounded by, you know, beeping machines. And a nurse administered some medication via her IV drip. And she tells her, don't worry, you're going to be just fine. And then the nurse puts her hand on Samantha's belly and says, both of you. So after all that, poor Samantha's going to have to fucking wake up out of her coma and give birth to the devil. Wow. The end. Wow. Now, Allison, I don't want to. I don't want to speak ill of Samantha. We, who knows? I, we could have all done the same things. What are sure. some fatal mistakes you think that were made in this film? If you could think of even one. Fatal mistakes. Even I guess um, taking the job. Um, not just leaving when he, like, separated the two of you. Like, not yes. just leaving at every single point uh, when he was walking <laughs> her through the house and giving her more details about what was going to happen that night. Like, take the money from Megan's family. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, swallow like, your pride already, and borrow money. He gave money. you $200 
to, like already, and then pizza money. You take that. That's combined with the $84 you have, that's $300. Yeah, you got it. You've got your first month's rent. You'll figure the rest out. And if you're really telling me the mom is able-bodied and she doesn't have any problems, really, even if it was like you're really taking care of this woman, there's not a big risk. It's not something you have to administer medication every hour. Right. There's some reason, you know, you right. have to be there. They are saying, we just want you to keep an eye on her. So even if you left, I feel like you, you wouldn't even have to feel guilty about it. You yes. Unfortunately, you would have to spring through the woods. Um, right, you'd probably be caught by the smoking sun, but— you know. Yeah, I, to me, the biggest fatal mistake is when she hears the thump upstairs and then goes up into the attic. Yes. At, you couldn't, it's, yes, go to the second floor. If the mother's not there, if the mother, for whatever reason, chose to go in the attic, that's her business. Right, right. You that's are not, not, as a babysitter, obligated to go into the basement or the attic. And I'm no. telling you this now, if you're a young person, if you, you are allowed to stay in the first and second floors and be like, yes. that's it. That's what right. all you're paying me for. Yes. Is these two floors. Yes. There's extra fees for attics and basements, and you should be absolutely <laughs> explaining those terms uh, every time you babysit. And then also, Megan, don't pull over to light your cigarette. It's actually a completely unnecessary move. Like, she right. could have just turned out her cigarette lighter. While uh, she was driving. and While she was driving. Move. There's like, no reason for her to have stopped. But again— Also, like, of all the places to— st- like, Yeah. The, next to, to a cemetery. Over in the shoulder or, like, a normal house's driveway. Right. Yeah. Um— I just had one little segment called House Hunter of the Devil. Because the whole time I'm like, this is a sickening Victoria. Like, the idea of living in a house like this will never happen. So my question to you, Allison, what square footage would you have to get in order for you to make a deal with the devil and join some sort of satanic cult? Like, what kind of house are we talking about? Like, give me the dream that makes you be like, all right, I will work in cahoots with some other people to bring the embodiment of the devil's baby to the earth, you know? Sure. I'm not as big, like, I, I'm I'm a single person who doesn't need a ton of space. So, like, mm-hmm. even in a perfect world, I don't want, like, a 12,000 square foot. Or right, I don't, you're not going to 12,000 a lot? I don't know. I don't need, like, a 15 Oh, 12,000 is a lot. Also, you, have to, you still have to heat it. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're still paying for that you're still, space. You're still keeping it, it clean, furnishing it. Um, yes. And it's just, like, for me, though, it's going to be, like, a double kitchen island. You know yes. those big kitchens where you have two islands, like one, like ones for mm-hmm. prep, ones for sitting around. Like I'm like, I'm looking for that uh, and uh, and a swimming pool. Those are the things yes. I would I would do. I love it. I guess I would say like a full brownstone. I would yes. I, that that I have an infinite budget to redo. Yes, I start to be all right. I, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm to listening. Hear out the plan. Yeah, because I'm like, I mean, yeah, to have you know outdoor access, three, four three full floors, you know, a, on a beautiful, you know, tree-lined street in Brooklyn. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm considering the negotiations. Exactly. And, you know, I'm not saying if anyone is in a satanic cult to reach out to us. I'm just saying those would be our terms as those a baseline. Baseline. Okay. And then finally, on the spooky scale, where would you place the House of the Devil, Allison? A spooky scale. Oof. I think... As you said earlier, like, the way they established, like, things are going wrong, but our main character doesn't know how bad they are yet, like, is such a scary device. I think I gotta give this an eight. Yeah. Like, that tension is so intense. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven, because I agree, like, I found this, the first time I watched it, I found this almost, like, painful to watch. Like, just, like, on pins and needles, the edge of your seat, in a very terrified way, finding out 
what's going to happen. I do feel like, and this is, again, I don't like to criticize movies, when they finally reveal, like, what's going on, it's a little bit like, we've seen it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've seen the pentagram. I've seen yes. somebody tied down. And we, and but it's yeah, still very like, affecting. We both knew it was coming, and then also, like, yes. it is scary, but, like, Give us, like, one little twist, you know? Exactly. Uh, versus when you when we see that there's the family's dead in a house and she doesn't know, that to me is horrifying. Yes. Like, that, okay, that's a little more novel. Kind of the bigger reveal, it almost feels. Yeah. But either way, absolutely loved it. Super fun movie. Again, if you're listening because you're a horror fan, please watch this if you haven't. Great. If you are not a horror fan, don't watch this. You're going to be yeah. too scared. Now you know what happens. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for, as always, for listening. Please leave us your five-star spooky reviews, yes. and we will read them. We've been loving them, and they're super funny. They're so funny. And also, any general questions or recommendations you have, or corrections. If there's more dogs that yes. we have missed, um, like, please let us know. I hope there aren't, because that would just upset me about more of these movies that we've I know. I feel about. like this is like, I need to explore this psychological block. Because let me tell yeah. you, I noticed when the, Anna, oh, the human dies. Well, but I guess the dog, because they're not characters, they're just collateral damage. It just, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's too sad. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's not the dog's fault you moved into a haunted house or there's a serial killer after you and your friends. Like, right. leave them out of this. Leave them They've out of this. They've done nothing wrong. Uh, but you can email us anything about dogs or pretty much anything else um, at ruinedattheradiopoint.com. Um, suggestions, pretty much everything you could possibly want. Oh, there is a website, uh, www.doesthedogdie.com. So I guess okay, you can great. find out if the dog dies in different movies. <laughs> Well, we'll have to check that. Uh, yes. I, will, I will keep my eye on that for future yeah. horror movies. That'll be a good resource Thank you, for Sabrina. us. And until next time, we're going to ask. Please. You gotta. Keep, keep it spooky. Goodbye. Bye bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.